Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said Some we said go, belly, we go up, belly up, so we made, so it, our we name. made it our name, and, and we're, still, we're here. still here. Welcome back to the Scoreboard Addicts podcast. I am so psyched about the episode that you're about to see. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. We'll get there later in the show. Very special guest this episode. If you are a fan of the J-E-T-S, I suggest you stay tuned because it's going to get epic. All right. I'm Nick, and with me as always is Anthony the Rook, TJ, who's hammered, and we are pumped and ready to go. I'm actually excited that we're all together again. It's been a while. We didn't record yeah. last week. We didn't have an episode last week. And then you guys yeah, did the I, Rangers show without me because I was I wasn't available. So it's been a while. It looks yeah, like you're unavailable right now. It looks like you're trying to like phase in and out of that wall behind you like a ghost. Whoa! <laughs> Getting fancy and stuff with that's, your brick wall. That's because we're uh, we're painting the room behind me, so it's a little messy. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the virtual background to help me out here. Don't let them don't let them fool you. That room's getting painted pink. He's telling us it's for his incoming daughter. It's not. It's for him. It's definitely for him. You actually can see every time I move my head, you can see the pink behind it. That's the. It's not pink though. It's lavender, but those are not the colors we're picking. So. That's that's, yeah, that's yeah. how I know it's for him because he knew it was lavender. Definitely, <laughs> I would have just been like it's light purple. Uh, it's true. It has it's a so bad true. day at work. I'm going to my special soothing room. <laughs> Nobody bother me. It smells like jasmine. <laughs> it smells like lavender. My apartment smells <laughs> of rich mahogany. And many leather bound uh, books. I, do, I don't uh, miss this. I don't miss this part. Getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> but but again a great great episode i just want to point out one new addition i have to the office i don't know if you guys can see it right there i've got the razor ramon intercontinental championship belt oh nice. thank you WWE. beautiful uh it actually has a toothpick holder in it that's so sick that you can fit that's at least two toothpicks awesome. in there. <laughs> you're gonna wear it around and just flick toothpicks at people i i've been yeah. actually just carrying toothpicks in my mouth just for fun lately i don't know thank you scott hall <laughs> we miss you 
Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Rest in peace. But let's jump into it because I know we got a lot to talk about. And we have a big interview, so that's going to take up a, a big portion of our show today. So we don't, we're not going to spend too much time talking about sports, but we want to jump into it. New York Yankees, they are at 50 wins. Best team in baseball there. They're losing right now. Bottom, I think it's bottom of the eighth right now. That's the raise, but wow. down a run. Uh, but it happens. You know, it's baseball. You're going to hit times where you're going to lose games, and it's baseball. You're not going to win them all. So uh, it's 15 and 15. Yeah, 15-18 is a pretty awesome start. 68 to the games, uh, 68 games this season, and uh, we only seen the Yankees lose 18 times, which is pretty impressive. Hey, absolutely impressive. Um, I think the one thing that I'm looking at this year that's a difference um, than previous years is the sustainability of this team and kind of how they're relying on everybody. You know, as far as the starting pitching and their bullpen, it's just it seems like one of those things where. It's just next guy up, get us a win. Next guy up, get us a win. And it's not, uh, hey, you know, Monday through Thursday, the first three games of that rotation, yeah, we got it in the bag, two two out of three wins, sure. And then it's a crapshoot. It just seems like they're going out there and everybody on that ro- rotation in that roster is primed to win every single game. And it's just not a factor of this guy or that guy. It's a cohesive team. They're playing as a unit, and it, it's fun to watch. You know, you know, talking about that, T. I, what what, what I really notice about this team, there is there's no stopper on the team. Meaning, you know, you always they, years past they always said, oh, CC's the stopper, Garrett Cole's the stopper. When you go on a slide, he comes in, he gives you a good. There is no stopper, and the reason that there's yeah. no stopper is they don't need one. No, every no single guy, one through five, is a stopper, and. You know, from from CC, I'm sorry, from CC. Well, I'm going back in time. Uh, from <laughs> Garrett Cole through Nasty Nestor to to Gumby to uh, to Amos uh, and Tyone and down to Luis Severino. Everybody on that team on any given day is an ace. Yeah, it's it's and and Jose Trevino just hit one deep to left field. There it goes. Tie game. No about to doubt it. That's a home run. Yankees up 5-4 in the top of the eighth. Wow. Let's go. See what happens when we talk about New York sports. Good things happen, folks. Yeah, yeah. And this is what, this, this is what you were talking about before, though, TJ, is that everyone on that roster is, is contributing. Jose Trevino yeah. is having a good year. He's second in all-star voting right now. I know all-star voting is like a popularity concept, but – uh, contest, but he's playing really well. He's hitting home runs. He's, he's, he's not popular hits. enough to be a part of a popularity contest. <laughs> yeah, but he is. Uh, he, and he's, he's got he got two well walk-up hits so far. You know, he's playing well. And you have Matt Carpenter, <laughs> who came off the scraps from Texas or Texas Rangers. Yeah, he's in the minor league system. And the hits, what he had like he had like nine hits, six of them were home runs, or seven of them were home runs, something ridiculous number like that. So you just have con- contributions from every guy in this lineup. And that's yeah. why this team is not losing. They're they're playing really well. Yeah, who's, and, who's the again, so far. Yeah, I was gonna say the 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 biggest surprise to me so far is how well they are playing because we were a little bit down on them going into the you season, are. not really making a splash. Um, you know, you had the lull of the lockout and us just sitting here like, what is Cashman doing? You you need to make moves. Thank you for Rizzo back, absolutely, and he has been a mm-hmm. fucking gem, dude. And I don't, I wouldn't consider that a surprise. That's exactly what you think you're getting out of Rizzo. Yeah, but it's just appreciate, dude. He's a stud. He's a ball player through and through. And, and I mean, that was a must, must have. That was a must resign for the Yankees, and it's paying dividends right away. It, it's just apparent, and I am so happy with that move. And 
like I said, kind of crapping on, on the lack of movement. It, it it hasn't really jostled them. It hasn't hurt them at all. It's not dampering their 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 game plan. And and I mean, dude, I, what's what's the? I think the only fallout, the only weak spot is the the Gallo situation. Gallo and Hicks. Yeah, yeah Gallo and Hicks. Hicks actually has had a really good June. I think he's batting over three hundred in June. So is Glaber. Glaber's had a very good June. So. Maybe Hicks is turning around. I don't have too much confidence in him, but he could be. Glaber's mm-hmm. had a very good season up to this point, and offensively yes. and defensively. I think he's only yeah. made, what, two, three errors this season? I'm a little shocked at IKF and how many errors he's made thus far yeah. in this season. But uh, I think uh, I think my the happiest thing for me right now is uh, Aaron Judge has two home runs today. He leads Major League Baseball with 27 home runs. Uh, starting the season, awesome. a lot of people were shitting on him, sitting there saying, you should have taken the money. You're not going to get a better deal. I think the Yankees are going to have to pay the piper on this one, and I They're could not be happier. Yeah, oh, and yeah. here's the thing, too, about Aaron Judge, which I always hate, and it just shows you how uh, – we always talk about how ESPN, we hate ESPN so much, but Sunday Night Baseball, you know, Aaron Judge comes on, they're talking about, oh, he's injury prone. If he's not injured, like who are these talking heads in baseball or in sports media that's talking about Aaron Judge is always hurt? He wasn't even hurt last year. Like he got injured before, but every player gets injured. I don't think I think he gets mislabeled as being injury prone. But is it me consistent, or is it more like, especially ESPN? They love focusing in on a negative and carrying it through and trying to make it a, a key talking point in a story. Mm-hmm. And it's irritating because number one, no fan wants to hear that. I mean, e- even an opposing fan, you never want to see a, an opposing player get injured or, or like, oh yeah, he's prone to injuries. Hopefully, he gets hurt tonight. You know, screw them. You know, screw <laughs> oh, the no, there's there's plenty of times I wish injury on other teams. <laughs> <laughs> Silently to yourself, you're not sitting there like, thank you, ESPN. Yes, yeah, you're not on. You know, bring on the baseball jinx. doing it. I wouldn't do yeah. it on Saturday night. Yeah, I step on do it on the show. I know who I want to be injured. Like. <laughs> Here, you guys know who I want to get injured regularly. Well, I we'll, do. Yeah, but it's mostly it's mostly in hockey. Yeah, it's mostly hockey. I, I, I know who it is because you've said ho- it before. Football too. Football too. Dude, you know what? And it's funny too because it, I have threatened athletes on this show, but <laughs> that's got nothing to do with the game. That's just got to do with like if I see them in the street, it's on. Dude, but it's it's almost it's taking over sports a little bit. Like I was watching the U.S. Open, and. The jinx is a factor, and I Michael K can. You know, I was just gonna fucking say Michael shit, K, it, dude. He can shit in his hey, own hat, and he can talk himself up as much as he wants. But it happens, dude. And I, I, I'm watching. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's got a four foot putt at the U.S. Open, which people are missing friggin' two foot putts. It's not easy out there, and they had to put the jinx on it. I forget who it was, but uh, whoever it was says, you know, Scotty Scheffler's the only person that hasn't missed a putt. All weekend, uh, you know, in the U.S. Open from five feet. And wouldn't you know it, he blows it two feet past. It's like, you asshole. Like, there should be there should be a penalty. You know what I mean? We have laws written up for if you, you know, rob a bank and, you know, you assault somebody, there's consequences. If you say something stupid, like a guy hasn't done this yet or this guy hasn't messed up and you messed up, the, the camera should cut and somebody should walk out with a phone book and just hit you over the head with it. Yeah. I agree with that. Chinese phone book. <laughs> Twice as thick. Oh. You more chins than a Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was the old joke. Yeah. It's a reason it's an old joke and nobody Very says that in the book. 
God. We have to send Brooke to sensitivity training. We, we're sorry. Uh, I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. I thought you were going, going, going there. First. I thought you were going there. I was uh, thinking of Rush Hour 3 when they get beat up with phone books and, and Jackie Chan says, you're lucky it wasn't the Chinese phone book. Twice <laughs> as thick. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, yeah, again, whatever. Yankees are rolling. Very exciting time. Uh, it's good to have them to fall back on after the Rangers get washed out of the you know Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. They don't make the finals. Why would you Still, even bring that up, though? Still a great run because that's why. It's still a great run. It is, but uh, it's... Mm, Listen, it, it was it, tremendous to be able to watch our team go through so much. They give us a lot of excitement. Two game seven wins in the first round of the playoffs and the second round of the playoffs. We, dude, I mean, we were down in Atlantic City. We've said this multiple times. Down in Atlantic City for game seven. Uh, little birthday weekend for me. Going absolutely ballistic when the Rangers move on and destroy the Penguins. Bye-bye, Cindy Crosby. And then we go up against the Hurricane, who uh, everybody said we do not stack up well against. They had our number all season long, and boom, there we go. Another Game 7 victory, another move on. We we had the momentum going in uh, to Game 3, kind of lost it, and the, the the Tampa Bay Lightning ran away with it. But to be able to then, you know, hockey's my number one sport. The Rangers are my number one team. Diehard Ranger fan. To then be able to go right into the Yankees, who the Yankees and the Jets are my, you know, Right there, neck and neck, is my second favorite team. Uh, sports to watch, uh, baseball and, and, and football. I don't think there's any comparison between the two. It's a little more exciting. Football season, less games. But you go right into Yankees baseball, and they are just a unit. They are rolling. They're a wagon. And it's it's nice to have this team to fall back on, especially with how, like I said, we were kind of crapping on them in the, in the offseason, the preseason, the lockout time. So uh, I'm really excited going forward with this. Uh, again, just to touch on the Mets, I think you guys both had them pegged as, you know, yeah, let's see how their pitching works out and how their rotation stays healthy. It didn't work out too long. That's, I would say if we could have bet that on FanDuel, that would be another cash for the boys on Scoreboard Addicts podcast. <laughs> I, mean, I do uh, want to say, but it was, I, I think me and TJ, we were talking about this before in the preseason when they were talking about bringing in Freeman or Olsen mm-hmm. to play first instead of Luke Voigt. We were both on board with bringing back Rizzo. We're like, why are we looking anywhere else? Resign yeah. Rizzo, bring him back. And I think Cash made the right move going with him. Yeah, uh, you know what? Big... And we were both on the same page with, you know what? It's not, it, we had no problem with Luke Voigt, but he just doesn't fit in the squad. And you expect more out of a Yankees first baseman. He and he's great it. defensively. He, right yes. Now. And he's having, he's having success, you know, now that he's moved on and that's great for him. No, no ill will towards him, but you needed that guy. And, and Rizzo was that guy. I, I don't want to say that Freeman Olsen wasn't that guy. Uh, because we wouldn't be happy with either one, but we said at the very least, you got to bring back Rizzo because he's a ball player, he's a mm-hmm. gamer, and he's the type of guy you want on this team to bring it all together. And it, it's true, dude. It, it we hit the nail on the head because yeah, I I don't know if they're having the amount of success they're having without Rizzo this year, and they're definitely faltering in, in that area. If we're just going with somebody bringing up from the minors, I think yeah, uh, I think uh, Voight right now is comparable to Rizzo as far as production offensively is concerned, but it can't be. Uh, you you can't. Cheat, take away from what he brings to the table defensively, making everybody on that infield better. Voight flat out just doesn't have the chops uh, defensively. And as a baseball player, you know, having played baseball the majority of my adult life and childhood, I would say that defense is the easiest part of the game that to improve on. It's mm-hmm. literally just you and the ball. No yeah. one's trying to trick you. Nobody's sitting there trying to stop you from catching the ball. 
Yeah. Especially at, at, at first base, you know, I'm sorry, that whole like thing in Moneyball where the guy's like, first base is very hard to play. That's a fucking lie. It's not. All right. Babe Ruth could have played first base. When you can't play the outfield anymore, they're like, why don't you just go stand by first base? Try yeah. not to fuck anything up. All right. They put you know, you're stretched off the bag. Nobody's running into you. I, I mean, unless you're going to do a Manny Machado and try to take somebody's leg out of first base, but nobody's running into you. You have, have all the time in the world. All you got to do is catch the ball. And we're talking about more often than not playing in Yankee Stadium, where if you get a one hopper off the grass, you know where that ball's going. If it hits the dirt, you know where it's going <laughs> because you're getting a true roll. Go friggin' play in the Berry Homes or go play in Clove Lake Park where somebody was digging a ditch for no reason at all before you start a game and then try to catch a you know a, a, a scoop at first base. And you tell me that, that that's hard playing first base. Actually, Yankee uh, Stadium first base and getting a true hop off that ground, yeah, not, not the worst thing in the world to be doing. I said Voight and Rizzo were comparable. I lied. Their batting average is comparable. That's about it because uh, yeah. Rizzo's got 19 home runs and Voight yeah. has nine. I was going to say. Uh, and, and, of course, Rizzo's left-handed. Yeah, that, that's right. a positive, too. And I think, it, you know, standpoint is incredible. If you're – if you're see, for New York baseball, it's hard to play here. Everybody knows it's hard to play here. Rising to the occasion, who would you put up there, Rizzo or Voight? I'm taking Rizzo every day of the week. And that's not a dig on Voight. It's just Rizzo is that guy. Which He's you that need. type of player. Yeah, I agree. Um, but moving on from New York Yankees, um, I think it's time for us to do our special guest interview. We already recorded this, so we're going to – we're this is a pre-recorded interview. We're going to play it now. Um, this is legendary coach Mike Westoff. Uh, and, oh, hold on. Dairy, legendary, oh, yeah. <laughs> legendary coach, uh, special teams guru. He spent 12 years with the Jets. Is one of the reasons why we wanted to bring him on as TJ Nick are both Jet fans, and this is a New York, you know, pretty much New York centric podcast. Yes. And Nick was definitely fanboying out, so you got to apologize, Nick, for uh, his stuttering and his allness that he had just had. I mean, what? listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not a Jets fan, but I just know Mike, Mike Westoff as being such a great legendary special teams. He revolutionized special teams. He was even talking about this uh, during the interview. We'll get more into that, but just knowing it, I was like, damn, this is amazing to be sitting here talking football with this, with this. Absolutely. And talking genius. to him, talking to him, tell, tell me if Mike Westoff told you, Hey, listen, Rook, I need you to get out there and I need you to block that 350 pound lineman that can run a 440 in like four and a half seconds flat. I need you to get out there and do it, son. Tell me you wouldn't believe him and be like, I got this, coach. Yeah. He wouldn't I put would, you up there if you didn't think you could do it. Dude, I, yeah, he I, I'd step in front of a train. Dude, after talking to him, I, all the confidence in the world. I mean, that, that man just, you know, what a freaking legend. That, that's a highlight of this podcast. And you're going to see it here. We are yeah. still jazzed up about it. We, we've been doing this for about a year. This is by far up to this, this. Other than our first episode, I think, where we were just starting out, fledgling, and just kind of like doing our thing. I, that was a lot of fun, and I loved it. This is probably my favorite moment. Like I asked him what his favorite moment was, and you guys will see that. This, is, this was my favorite moment of our show up to this point. I can't disagree. Definitely. So we're going to run a quick commercial, and then we're going to play the interview. So we'll be – it's about 40-minute interview, so – You'll hear us on the flip side of this. So enjoy it. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of No Credentials Required. Now, I know there are a lot of podcasts out there that make you want to do this. Or this. And 
sometimes this. Well, this show shouldn't make you want to do any of those things. But No Credentials Required offers the best quality sports talk, interviews, fascinating sports takes, and even the occasional live stream. We offer it all. So tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on Belly Up TV. Or catch episodes of the podcast wherever you podcast. No Credentials Required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. It's a very exciting day for us over at the scoreboard addicts podcast. Uh, we've got one of the most prolific. Uh, I, 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 let me just read his, his Wikipedia page. It says he is considered to be among the greatest special teams coaches in league history. We've got, Coach Mike Westoff, formerly of, of my and TJ's Jets, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, the New Orleans Saints, the Miami Dolphins, Indiana State University, uh, I mean, Dayton uh, College, uh, Northwestern, Texas Christian. Uh, he coached for the Arizona Outlaws. I mean, the resume is long and distinguished, and I am – I'm fanboying. I'm fanboying a little bit. I'm excited, and we're glad to have him, Coach. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking this time to be with us. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to do it. It's fun to do. So, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, I, I think, I think the first question would be: uh, You got a book coming out. Uh, what inspired you to, to, you know, just put pen to paper and write the book and get all the stories? And I mean, I'm sure you have stories to tell. You know. A, three lifetimes worth with all your coaching experience. What inspired you to write the book? That's, a, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, with me, first of all, actually, the book's already out. It'll okay. be out everywhere uh, July 12th, you know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, etc. But you can get it right now through the publisher. The publisher was Mascot, Mascot Books. And you just go into Mascot Books and then put in the book title. The titles figure it out, and they'll deliver it to your house in two days. It's pretty easy. So, uh, but it'll be out everywhere July 12th and then mascot books through the publisher now. I always thought, it's just something I, I, I always thought I would like to do. I mean, way back when I was in school, 
Uh, I was a graduate school in Indiana University. I have my master's degree in psychology, educational. And I, it just always intrigued me uh, how people learn and what makes things work and how, no matter what your profession, how to figure it out and find a way to have a realm of success, whatever that is. And so it's something that I always thought about doing. And then as I got into it, and I, I realized at a very early stage, um, I got in special teams completely by accident, completely. And I was, uh, was working with the uh, Baltimore Colts in 1982. Uh, I started, actually, I was a strength coach. And I, was, uh, I coached tight ends. I helped at the offensive line. I was assistant head coach. And I kind of did a little bit of everything. I don't think I did anything very well. And then uh, we went on strike. The league was on strike then. Remember, they played two games, he went on strike. And I was jogging, and Frank Cush came along and said he wanted to talk to me, and we walked, and he said he was going to fire our special teams coach. He said he's terrible, he stinks. I said, well, I don't know if he's that bad, but don't fire him. And I talked him out of firing him. I said, look, let him just help the secondary. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll coach it. Yeah, well, way to go, Mike. I, I knew nothing. I knew zero. I, I had his notebook. It should have come with crayons, a notebook here. <laughs> so here I am, and, and okay, what's this all about? And really, there were no coordinators back then. The job was just kind of spread among the staff. And I learned in a hurry. First, I, I developed a philosophy. I said, okay, uh, let's break it down. And I started to write. I wrote, I wrote everything. It took me forever to do it, but I did it. And I said, um, okay, I, 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 we're going to cover it. Now, that's, I was playing defense. So what kind of defensive coach do I want to be? I said, well, I like to blitz. So I went into our defensive coordinator, if you'll remember. Uh, you remember Bud Carson, the great defensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, he was our defensive coordinator and my good friend. I sat down with him. I said, Bud, take me through the, your perimeters of blitzing. And he did. He showed me how, how to establish an edge, where to keep a safety, how to, how to run two people behind each other, how to make something look completely like what it's really not. And he took me through all these things. And so I used that as my philosophy of how I would cover. Now, don't forget, there's another thing I learned. Back then, there was very, very little creativity, innovation, etc. And But there was zero regulation. You could do anything, though I tried everything, and I was allowed. Though, though I developed this philosophy, and I just kept expounding on it. Then, then when it came to offense, I said, okay, now I'm going to run a return. Well, what, what do I know? Well, I'm an offensive line coach. I know how to run an off-tackle play. I know how to double team. I know how to trap. I know how to teach it. I know how to cut off a backside protection. I understand all these things. I understand kick-out blocks, which are really, that's what the wedge was. You know, we used to use a three-man, and then it became two-one. And so I, I started to come up with this philosophy, and the more I did it, the more intrigued I was. And I thought, you know, there aren't many people doing this stuff this way. So I just kept it up, and I kept it up, and I kept it up. And, uh, and then I also learned very quickly that basically I had a timeout before every play. If I was smart, I had a timeout. So why not use it? So I started drawing everything. I became kind of famous for it. There's lots of drawings, pictures of me holding up these drawings. So instead of having two kickoff returns, 
I'd have 10. So I could get in the huddle, and I'd just look you guys in the huddle, and I'd say, all right, Nick. Now, remember now, you got to come here this time. I'd go over here and say, all right, you know, uh, Rook, you got to, you got to, don't be doing what you did the last time now. You got to, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But it was fun, and I was able to do so many different things. And then it's just a matter of, okay, finding a way to put a roster together. Figure it out. How do you get these kind of guys? How, how do you make them your player? And I, and I realized that the special teams game was not the same game as offense and defense because it was played on such an open field. The guy that was good in an elevator was terrible for me. So I had to find that kind of player. And then I came up with this system, and it worked. It just worked. And the more I expanded it, the better it got. And, like, I think when I, when I went to the Jets, uh, it was at a pinnacle. It was pretty good. I mean, when my first 10 years there, we had nine different guys that led the National Football League in returns. Now, there's nobody touching that record. I mean, I didn't have Devin Hester, so what? I think right. I mean, when I played against Devin Hester, he didn't run across the street against us. We didn't care. <laughs> and we were good, and we were tough. And I yeah. loved the fact that I could take this group of guys, you know, maybe not the, the biggest or the fastest or whatever, and figure it out. And we could help win games. And that's what we did. And I'm very, very proud of that. Nick, yeah, I know. Nick, you have a question? I, okay. Yeah, I do. I, I'm just sitting here going, wow, Coach Mike Westoff said my name. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> you basically just gave me a play. I'm, I'm passing out a little bit. Sorry. Um, so I, I've seen praise uh, from Coach Rex Ryan said, Hall of Fame caliber coach much like my father, Buddy Ryan. How does a comment like that make you feel? Well, then he added to that, because then he said also Bill Walsh. So he put me in the category of Buddy Ryan and Bill Walsh. I felt pretty good. It was, yeah, it was absolutely. a pretty compliment. So um, it's just it's a very nice thing for him to say. I, I frankly don't believe Hall of Fame, because I don't think I had enough variables to warrant that. That's just my opinion. I think I did my job very well. I'm proud of it. Uh, but that I, I, I would disagree with Hall of Fame. But uh, I think I did it well, and, and, and I was able to figure out what it took to get it done. And, and I think that's what you look at the good coaches, that's what they did. I got to know Bill Walsh very well. I talked about him in my book. He offered me several jobs, actually. And uh, I have a very nice note that I included in my book, what he said to me. It's pretty special. But th that's what, the, you know, I was with Don Shula all those years. That's what he did. He mm -hmm. never stopped. He never stopped. He always kept learning, finding another way. You know, it's, it's, never, it's never okay uh, to keep, don't be afraid to change, things like that. I got that lesson from another pretty good coach. You're going to have to read this one to find this one out because it's pretty cool now. But it's from uh, Bear Bryant in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, walking with him, sitting on a curb on a street under a tree. You read it, you'll find out. That's <laughs> I was so fortunate. I was just in a good position. But to answer your question, um, you, you just keep learning. You keep trying. You never stop. And you figure something out. And I think that's what, what, what I, I really tried to do. I was going to say, keening on what you said, like uh, with special teams and trying to, you know, get the type of players, draft the type of players, build a team to get those explosive plays. Because, I mean, that that's – one of those things is can blow a game wide open, a, a punt return, a kickoff return. Is, is it something that 
you look at your team, you look at your roster, and you can kind of build plays around the, the caliber of player you have? Or is it do you come up with a game plan uh, at the beginning of the season and try to get these guys to adapt and, and just run the plays that, you know, you know will work? Is it just a never stopping kind of give and take of, listen, we got this guy. I know I know we get him the ball. He's going to take off. He's going to get his 30 yards minimum, if not blow through. That's a, that, that's a good question. Not only a good question, the way you ask it is, is well, yeah, some of the media guys should call you on that one. <laughs> I appreciate that. It really is. No, I'm not kidding. I, I did it for a long time. I have a pretty good idea. No, no, what you have to do, if you're the guy that comes in with your system and that's what's going to work, you're going to get your ass beat. you got to come in and you got to say, okay, what do I have? What do I have? What can he do? What can this guy do that this guy can't do? I mean, I learned in a hurry. I, mean, I remember, remember the one year we had Justin Miller, great returner, led the league, went to the Pro Bowl, great returner, led the NFL. All right, well, he gets hurt. Now I got Leon Washington. Now, Leon was a great, but Justin Miller, when I used to set a wedge, like a, back then it was a wedge of two and one, and we'd be double team and trapping. We did so many things. It's an intricate play, and very well designed. I, I'm proud of it. But anyway, uh, Justin wanted to be at about 12 yards behind those guys. Leon needed to be four or five. Totally different, completely different timing because Leon wanted to hide behind them and at the last second he'd break out. Justin liked to try to run through them because he was so fast and powerful. Right. So it's important that you take, as you asked, you've got to take what you have and figure out what you can do. Okay, what, what can you do? What, what's really good? You know, what, what can these guys do? When I went to the Saints, you know, I'd been out for five years. I did not want to go back into coaching because uh, the game had changed so much. I didn't know a soul in New Orleans. I never met Sean Payton. The only name I even knew in the whole building was Drew Brees. I didn't know anybody. I, I was working for SMY. I was really enjoying New York. I was having a good – I I'd retired. I, I was liking what I was doing. Here these guys called. And then they talked me into it, and I said, okay. So I get down there after the first two games. I, 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 we stink. I'm terrible. I, I don't know anything. And I talked to my son. We played the Rams out in L.A., and I called him up. And I went back out in the stadium, and I was sitting on the bench after the game. And we, everybody played terrible, not just me. They were, we were all terrible. And uh, he said, Dad, when did you start kicking the ball in the middle of the field? And he said, it looks like your guy can't catch, Dad. <laughs> and then he said, he said, you had a good-looking punt block, but your guys can't run. You'll never get there. And he said to me, he said, the Rams look like your old team, and you look like the teams you used to beat. <laughs> My son's pretty smart now. He went to an Ivy League school, University of Pennsylvania. He played football there. He won two Ivy League championships. He played at St. Wow. Thomas Aquinas. He won a state championship there. He's got three rings. I have none. So he's... <laughs> and then he said, Dad, make them play your way. They're not playing your way. Make them play your way. I started from scratch. And after that, I never lost another special teams play at the New Orleans Saints. Wow. I never lost another one. But I figured it out, and I had to figure out, as your question, what did I have and what did they do? So I just moved people everywhere. I couldn't get a new team. I moved them all around. All of a sudden, ah, we were pretty good. And that's the secret. You just have, you can't be afraid to change. You've got to look at what you have. You know, I used to firmly believe that uh, I was going to play someone else. 
I, I could take. I, I knew I could take mine and beat them, but then I used to figure I could take theirs and beat mine. Coach, I have. A, maybe, and so maybe that's arrogant or something like that. You could call it whatever you want. I actually believed it. Could have I been a competitor? I mean, that's not arrogance. It's it's competition. I mean, at the highest level, you got to be that way. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's exactly how I saw things, and I wanted the guys that I had, my guys. I wanted them to think that every week. I wanted teams to hate to play us. They used to say, I remember, I remember going up to New England as good as they were. God bless them. They're good. You know, we'd go up there, and I know they're going to score. But then I used to think, okay, but you've got to kick off to Leon Washington. So right. Let's find out. Because I tell you, I know I can get you. I know, I know I'm going to win this part of the game. And for most of the time, I did. But most of the time, I beat them. Uh, now, was that good enough to beat them all the time? No, but it did help. And if you get the right guys and they believe it, now all of a sudden you're going to be you can. And I know that that you know times that I was there in New York, I loved it. I loved the city. I loved the people. I loved the fans. It was one of the best times of my entire life. Uh, hey, coach, we loved you too. too. Absolutely. I look at it with nothing but reverence, and. Uh, and I know that, you know, we were in a lot of playoff games. We were in a lot. And they haven't been in any since, by the way, as I should tell Woody. No, we know. <laughs> should have not let me go and let someone else go. <laughs> Would have been a good move for him. But anyway, he didn't do that. But nonetheless, um, I was proud of all those games that we won. And we were close. We were a good football team. The team that I loved that, that when we went to the championship games with Rex, that was really a special team. I mean, they were good guys. You look at that offensive line, you know, you know, the Brickashaw Ferguson, Alan Fanica, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, Nick yeah. Mangold, Damian Woody, and then you've got, and you've got uh, LaDamian Thomason carrying a football. I mean, this was a good oh, yeah. and, and Bill And Bill Callahan was the offensive line coach. He's one of the best in the business. Though, so, you know, he's not, now you're on defense, you got Darrell Revis on one side of the field and everybody else on the other. He didn't care. <laughs> and I had an all-star team. I mean, we were so tough. It was a team that that could go anywhere and win. That could go up to New England and beat them. You know, we weren't the sexiest team. I know Mark Sanchez was our quarterback, but no disrespect to Mark, none, because he was a, a good manager for that football team. Was he was he Tom Brady? No, he wasn't. We know he wasn't. But with that type of team. We could win games, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're okay. Now, now, now you got me going. Now, all right. So now all of a sudden, we're gonna we're gonna let Alan Fanica go, and we're gonna sign Plexico Burris. No wonder I came home. That was <laughs> after that, that. That kind of stuff did me in. Now, Coach, I wanted to ask you about your time in New York. Uh, obviously, in the book, you you go through each year uh, the coaches that were there during your tenure. You're there for 12 years, and you have uh, Eric Mangini, Herm Edwards, and Rex Ryan. Now, out of those three guys, I don't know if you want to do it this way, but would you be able to rank how you felt working with those coaches who, who maybe were best suited with your Rex, system? Rex was definitely ahead. Definitely yeah. Ahead. Eric, think about Eric. And I actually wrote in a book that I didn't think Eric deserved to be released. I didn't. But Eric stepped on so many toes mm. that, that, that he got himself behind the eight ball and he, and he never really got back out from behind it. Eric did a lot of very good things. He managed the game well. He understood situations. We practiced them well. We practiced them too hard, but, but he did a lot of good things. Eric could be condescending, and he did that to the players sometimes, and it, it hurt him. 
and, and, he, and people got upset with some of the way he handled things. Um, I think as time, he was maturing. I think if he had kept going, it would have worked out. Don't forget now when, you know, Brett Favre, at one point in time in that year, we were 8-3. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we just beat New England, went down and beat Tennessee. We were pretty good. And then Brett yeah. got hurt, and then and we just collapsed. We <laughs> collapsed, and then and they let Eric go. But Rex walked into a very good football team. Now, Herman took over a good football team with, a you know, a Bill Belichick and, and, and Bill Parcells football team. Come on, that was yeah. a heck of a team. Nope. Good. Now they were. They, some of them were getting a little old, but it was a good team. I'm not a thousand percent sure that Herm Edwards ever really totally appreciated what a good team he inherited. I, I'm really not sure. Now he mm -hmm. himself handled a lot of things well because he was good with the players, but he was not prepared with game clock management, game situations, timeouts. He just and he was not a game planner. Really, even on defense, he was really not not much of a game planner. So he did a nice job with turnovers and penalties, things like that. He worked hard with that. Now I helped him a lot with penalties, but but he did a good job with that stuff. But he was probably the least prepared in that situation, and and it and it, it come to it came to hurt us a couple of times. Um, actually, as I've watched him in college, he actually is better prepared now. Sometimes you work in the media, yeah. you can prepare yourself a little bit because now you've got to get in front of a crowd and talk about a situation, and you're actually better prepared than that guy was maybe being a head coach. You know, he had never been a coordinator, and right. those kind of things. Um, but there were a lot of things that he did that he did pretty well, um, and, and it's just kind of a, you know, it's just a. I, I think he's and he fired too many people. He fired too many. I, I should have done a better job with them there. I I think I could have had more influence. Of course, he'd fire the guy. I didn't even know. He'd fire him on a weekend. I would come in. <laughs> so that that was a little frustrating for me. He's still doing it. Man, he fires everybody. He fires. I, I get it. Made, that's upsetting to me. I just that's disappointing to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I should have. I could have done a little better job at that than I than I did. Um, but anyway, and then and then Rex. Rex of the of the three was the because he inherited a good team, and, and Rex was fun to be with. He, now you know a lot of the crazy stuff that Rex talked. Trust me, it never, ever, ever showed up in a football team. Never. We we had we had this. Everybody was nobody was ever late. Nobody missed a practice. We had a great time. And you know Rex would come up say something crazy, and you know, we'd all get a kick out of it. But Rex was fun to work with. I used to love being in my office at night, and he'd come in. He said, oh, "I got to show you something, Wes." He'd get on the board and he'd draw something up, and and I mean, he he was into Rex was a very good technical football coach, very very good. Uh, you know, he could he could draw a play with anybody. He, he knew football, and so um, that was fun. I, I don't think he fought quite hard enough to keep it from moving in a direction that it went. I wish he would have pushed it a little bit harder. And I think he could have kept that because the image that Rex wanted in a football team was the team that we had in those championship games. You know, he loved to run the football. He was going to control the clock. You know, we were going to win on defense, da 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 That was Rex. And uh, we drifted away from that and became a different type team. And, that, and, and Rex never rebounded anywhere he ever went. So he had it right there in the palm of his hand, and it kind of got away from him. It seemed that, um, I mean, maybe from us, that especially like you said, the championship games, I mean, that uh, as a Jet fan who was born in 87 and didn't never got to see a Super Bowl with the Jets, like a lot of Jet fans today, 
I mean, I romanticize about those years, and it seemed like Rex Ryan had almost, you know, the the love and support of the locker room. It seemed like he was just a player's coach, and they would go out there and, and battle for him. And I just wanted to see uh, it, maybe we're just putting it out there because I, I, I read your quote online of what I could find from the book, and you said that obviously he never brought that kind of media attention into the locker room. Was he a player's coach? Was he a guy that the players had no problem just, you know, sweating and bleeding and, and – Tearing it up for now there's there's sometimes there's two definitions of a player's coach. I mean, mm -hmm. you can have excuse me, a coach that the players can relate to, or a coach that the players sometimes a player's coach can sometimes take advantage of. Mm -hmm. Rex was not that guy. Okay. Rex was absolutely not there. We had we had a disciplined football team. Rex was Rex was big on doing the right thing. That was his thing. He used to say it a lot. Just do the right thing. If you don't, then we're, we're then we'll then I'll I'll step in. Rex had no trouble doing that. He, he did it well. But what Rex Rex was kind of like in some ways almost like a big kid. You know, he, he loves the game. He loves putting on his shirt. You know, the big crazy shirt, rooting for the team. He loves that kind of stuff. And uh, he was fun to be around. And 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 it was a lot of good. Our practices were very competitive, very competitive. Very few people missed practice. I mean, we didn't have problems with that. We had guys that were there every day, and it was battles. We had, you get against our offense and defense, they would go after it. And my practices, forget about them. Mine are like World War III anyway, so you don't have to worry about me. Uh, but it was fun. And Rex did a, I think he did a very good job with that, and the players did relate to him. I think when Rex was in his element, when we had the type of team that he firmly believed in, you know, he had the type of team. He had a, 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 fa a kind of a mathematical thing he used to use where if you take uh, the number of plays uh, and the, the number of rushes compared to the number of pass attempts, he had a whole thing. He used to love to figure it all out. He, that was his, his theory to how you're going to win. And, and he did it uh, He did it very well, and he believed in it. He absolutely believed in it. So, Coach, we, we've talked about your uh, your favorite coaches that you've worked with with the Jets. Uh, over the course of your career, you've worked with a lot of great players. Uh, it doesn't have to be a returner or anything like that or even a, a, an every-down player, but who was your favorite player to work with, just as you know, somebody in their, in their spirit that you like being around? That's a, that's really a hard question. Uh, oh, toward the end of my career, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll go to uh, Taysom Hill to New Orleans because yeah. he's pretty special. Absolutely. He had, never, he had never dressed an NFL game until I came there. Wow. And I got I got him. I saw him in, come in the locker room. I went like, Ooh, who's this guy? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And so that's how that started. Uh, so I had to go with him. Guys that I just love being around, uh, one guy with the Jets that I absolutely love being around uh, was Eric Smith. Eric Smith, not Brad. Now, Brad, I love being around, too, because Brad was so talented. But Eric Smith, you know, he was that guy that could do everything. He was the best punt blocker in the league then. He could do it. I would make an argument. <clears throat> this might be a tough one, but I, 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 I would bet some money on this, that Eric Smith was on the field for more special teams touchdowns than maybe anybody in history. Wow. No. I might bet on that one. That's, that's a tremendous stat. And he was right there in everything. Punt block, you name it, he was right there every time. I think uh, I think Taysom Hill owes you some money then. <laughs> yeah. Taysom Hill definitely owes me some money. <laughs> I would say I think – I mean, he's one of my favorite people. He's just a great guy. And then, of course, you know, you got to go back to Miami when I had a, a, a guy like Zach Thomas or Larry Izzo. You know, Larry was a, 
Kendall, I went down to Rice University to work out, and, and everybody thought I was crazy. I remember our scouts told me not to go. They said, Mike, they told a scout from Miami told me, said, Mike, the Canadian League turned him down. I said, I don't care. Wow. <laughs> I said, I don't care how big he is. He said, Mike, he's a linebacker. He was five nine and a half. He weighed two hundred thirteen pounds. He played thirteen years. He has four Super Bowl rings. He went to four Pro Bowls. Wow. I got the right guy. I figured it yeah. out. Oh yeah. Because I just, you know, again, it's a different game. It's not. It's not the linebacker. You know, we're not talking about Lawrence Taylor here. That's not. That's who he is. He played out in the middle of the field. He was very good at that. He was good at it. So those are the kind of guys. Uh, and, you know, without being returners, a guy, an interesting guy at the Jets that I loved, that, that I had just for a short time, because he was toward the end of his career, but was uh, Kenyatta Wright, a linebacker. Oh, was he tough. He was so tough. And the fact that he didn't go to the Pro Bowl that year was an absolute disgrace. Because he was the best player, the best special teams player in the AFC. He made a play against the Giants on a kickoff coverage. It's when the Giants had uh, Brian Mitchell. They brought him in at the end of his career to return. They're running a middle wedge kickoff return. We kick off. They're running up the middle. Kenyatta Wright ran down and smacked their guy in the wedge, which was an offensive lineman, by the way, blew him right into uh, the, the returner and knocked them both right on the ground. It could be a, <laughs> wow. you, you, you can break down film for 100 years. You won't find a better play than that. Oh, was he <laughs> tough. He was tough. And so it was fun talking to him for the book, too, because he, he loved it and uh, – <laughs> He, he teased me a little bit, but that's kind of fun. I got a kick out of it. Uh, this is fun. But he, he was one of those kind of guys. So, you know, when you when you get guys like that, Chris Hayes, you remember Chris used to play for the Jets, was such a good player. Uh, he was probably a key ingredient and in maybe my, believe it or not, one of my all-time favorite New York Jet games. The, the, the canceled 9-11 game when we had to go out to Oakland and play at the end of the year. and We had to win to get in the playoffs. We brought nope. the punt, and then John Hall kicked the longest field goal that ever been kicked in that stadium. Herman Edwards was screaming for for uh, Hail Mary. I, I did. I, I sent the field goal team on to him. <laughs> and he kicked it. So it was one of my favorite games ever, and uh, Chris was a big part of that. So now those are the kind of guys, the things that they did, uh, I, I loved. I, I just loved it. Coach, I have one question. I, I know in the book it was uh, you weren't the biggest fan of the Tim Tebow experiment in, in New York, but was was Taysom Hill the type of guy? Do you, I mean, what you wish Tim Tebow would have been for the New York Jets at that time? Yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim's Tim's just a different player. That's that's a good that's a good question. Uh, it's an interesting analogy. Um, Tim Tebow was at the right place at the right time in college. He was part of the great great football team that had tremendous talent, and Tim did a very good job of managing it and deserved to win the Heisman. Tim did a good job. But you know, Tim's not a, a great, great quarterback. I mean, ask Bill Belichick. He let him go. I mean, it's not just me. I'm not making this up. You know, he yeah. had him too. You know, when we brought him in, it was the idea that he was going to be a jack-of-all-trades. He would be a wildcat quarterback. Now, Tim, had he did his part. He gained weight. He got bigger and stronger. I mean, he looked great. And, and then, you know, he was going to be part of a package. Well, I was going to use them only on my punt team and then run fakes with them, which we did, and we did it very well. We had a lot of success yeah. with it. But I'm the only one that upheld my end of the bargain because the other guys must not have got the note because they never used them. And I thought that was very, very, very unfair and very unprofessional. And uh, 
I think in Tim Tebow, if you put him in that category, you know, run him in and out, let him do some things, I think we would have seen a, uh, an interesting scenario. It never developed. But now, Taysom Hill in that role, come on, he's the best, he's the best uh, hybrid player in league history. And nobody better than that guy. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's incredible to watch. And he can throw. He yeah. can throw the ball. Good. You really throw the ball. So, uh, Taysom Hill, he's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a Pro Bowl type special teams player. You know, he could do it all. He, he could do it all. I mean, he's, you know, he's 6'2", 230 pounds. He's all muscle. He runs 4'4". Four, four. I mean, he can fly. Yeah, People yeah. have no idea how fast he is. And he's just tough and uh, very, very talented football player. You brought up, uh, you know, uh, fake plays, trick plays. Um, it, would you say it's when you decide to call for something like that, is it more that, you know, it's a necessity at that point of the game or is it more a gut feeling? You're looking at the defense and it's like, oh, this is going to work and they're not going to be happy about it. We're going with it. It's a little bit of both. A little okay. Bit. For me, it was mostly most of the time that, that we needed it. It was something we needed. I, I was I was. Uh, in my whole career, I've only ran one that didn't that I didn't make. Only ran one time, my whole career. It's the Saints. I was 100. percent And Sean Payton is your toughest. Sean's a heck of a coach now. Trust me, Sean Payton's as good a coach as there is. Uh, he never knew one time when I called a fake. He never knew it. I just did it. He trusted me, and I was 100. percent So what are you going to say? Yeah, right. <laughs> he he came. Can't argue with success. He came. I had already sent the play in. He came over to me. He said. Mike, were you thinking of running a fake here? I said, you better go tell Drew because I already called it. <laughs> tell him to get ready. And we got it. We got it. We got it. Um, but, no, I, I think those, to me, I, I wasn't just like I wanted to run them for kicks. I mean, I know we played the Rams, and uh, and they, they, they ran a million of them. And they, they had a realm of success. They did some things very well with it. But they also failed quite a number of times. And it went back and started back when Jeff Fisher – was coaching there and they were even in uh in, in st louis but to me i was never truly enamored by that because they were terrible you know, it's easy to run a fake when you stink you know nobody cares if you get it fine if you don't who cares you know who the hell cares and so but that wasn't the case of any of those teams that i was on because when we were running it we were writing that we were writing a game and we're fighting for playoff spots so i think Absolutely. i have a lot to lose and i believe in it but i i, I based mine more on need than on just the fact that I could get them. Where I did do a little bit of that was with that, before they changed the rule, with that onside kick thing where you used to be able to drive the ball into the ground mm -hmm. and it would go real high and you didn't have to give the, uh, the opponent the chance to catch the Now there's a rule. If you do that, he has to have an opportunity to catch the ball. Right. Then we should just knock the heck out of him and get the ball. <laughs> we, were, we were tremendous at it, tremendous at it. Um, that was really that was that, that that was pretty cool. I did that just because I knew we could get it. And uh, Lindo Mari was tremendous at it. And then I I did a little bit with Mike Nugent once in a while. We we got it there with Mike too. So, but most of the time, I felt it was something we had to have in a game. We had to maybe steal a possession to win the game. Mm -hmm. Something I was prepared to do. Love it. I, I mean, it's amazing how people often forget how just exciting and explosive especially the way the jets called it it's not like you know you didn't see it coming it was just boom oh shit we got the ball back let's go we're back in this i mean as a jet fan i'm just sitting there screaming you know the the up and down the roller coaster emotions it, i loved it it's a great you know it's a great part of the game a lot of it's been neutralized with rules 
and uh, yeah. safety. Some of some of very 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 well. But safety is a, is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, some of it's a little bit uh, under a guise of safety, and it's really uh, they've taken it a little further than it probably has to go. I wrote a part of the book how I, I had a couple suggestions to keep the plays, keep some plays, and still be safe. I'll give you, I'll give you a statistical now and an answer for this real quick. I'll make it I'll make it quick. My first 30 years in the NFL, my first 30 years, not counting PATs and field goals, okay, not counting those plays, whether you kick them or defend them. All right. I averaged, I averaged 22 plays a game. That's what I averaged for 30 years, 22 plays. Now kickoff, remember back then almost every kickoff was returned. Every right, kickoff yeah. you had to cover. All right, my two years with the New Orleans Saints, seven. Wow. I went from 22 plays to seven. Jeez. Now, I'm not counting a kickoff or a touchback. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. 74. Yeah. I can run down a kickoff or a touchback. For <laughs> You know, we, we have four of us could go down the field. We'd be all right. You know, just go down. Don't worry about hitting anybody. You know, thank God. Uh, it's just, it's, so it's changed so dramatically. And it also changes how you make up your roster because your roster is different than it was most of my career. And I believe one of the reasons I wrote the book is that when I started, special teams were basically non-plausible. They were just, okay, you know. A couple coaches made a little notoriety, like George Allen, but all they did was have a little discipline to it, that's all. So then, you know, I was part of taking it to kind of a pinnacle. And it had never been there before, and it'll never be there again. That's just the reality. And it's changed, and it's just gone away. You know, those nine guys that led that NFL in returns. I mean, there was one year I was at the Jets. This, this was really cool. We were going, we were playing, uh, we were playing out in Oakland, and I was doing my scouting report, which back then was 80 pages. Now you could, now you could write on the back of a match cover the way it goes now. But back then, I did 80 pages. Anyway, and at that time, I looked at Santana Moss was leading the league in punt returns. Okay. Chad Morton was leading the league in kickoff returns. And Chad Morton was second in the league in punt returns. We were pretty good. Yeah. We were pretty damn good. I'd say so. We really were. And so I had those guys. And that's how, it, you know, I'm looking at this thinking, whoo, these guys are pretty good. You, gotta, you better make sure you do something with this outfit. So it was a lot of it was pressure on me to try to make it successful. And, uh, and it helped us. It helped us get in position. I mean, I, I, I don't think you could take a year of all those years when I was there that we were in the playoffs, that if we weren't a viable contributor, would have we been a playoff team? My answer is absolutely no. We would have not. Absolutely no. I agree. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I know we're, we're, we're running a little long here. I know we appreciate you for your time. It's up to you. You do what you want. I'm not <laughs> Yeah, we, we're going to – yeah, we'll, Probably wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I know Nick has one more question for you, and then uh, we do. I just want to thank you again for joining us. Absolutely, but Nick. I know you have the last question, so you can we'll wrap this up here. Yeah. Uh, so, Coach, my favorite uh, moment in my at least my Jets history for special teams. I was at the game uh, Jets versus Bengals uh, Thanksgiving. My sister and I went. Brad Smith runs a kickoff back for a touchdown with one shoe on. And I, that's probably my favorite uh, special teams moment with the Jets. But what's your favorite in your career? A lot of games, a lot of teams. What's your favorite moment in your career? That's a tough one. You know, it's in some ways, 
because um, they're all in different different segments, and that's really a difficult question. Um, Oh boy, it's almost hard not to. The, the overtime kickoff return up in Buffalo with Chad Morton to win the game. Back then, we, they kick off to us. We run for the touchdown game. That's our second one of the day, by the way. Best special teams game ever played in NFL history. I'll argue that fact. But if I maybe had to pick one, it would be on opening night, uh, the 10 year anniversary for 9 11, which was one of the greatest NFL games that I don't care what it, I mean, it was the way the NFL is supposed to be. It was a beautiful night. Everybody was at the President Bush was at the game. He did the coin toss. They had the largest flag ever in the whole world. It covered the whole field. It took all of us to help hold it. They had it was like uh, the most emotional night and a great, great football game. And Joe McKnight blocked a punt to win the game. And it was a punt it was a punt block that I had put together years ago and saved and uh, and called it. And he blocked uh, he blocked that punt and then uh, Isaiah Trufant picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown, and that was an incredible football game, and that led to the win. And uh, it's a shame, you know, the season started like that, and then it kind of, kind of leveled off. Yeah. yeah, that was a heck of a game. You know, everybody and every, every celebrity, every sports fan, every politician was at that game. I mean, the field was, you know, it's Denzel Washington. I mean, it was like it was craziness to me. It was what New York's all about. New York wants to be at the epicenter, and trust me, they were at the epicenter that night. Because that's as good as it gets. And that play was such a dramatic play, and it was very special to me because I had drawn it years and years ago. I could show. Actually, I drew it up in my book. And uh, I, maybe if I had to pick one, it's hard to pick one because there's, there's quite a few. But that one was pretty tough to beat because that was such a special night. Yeah, rest in peace, uh, Joe McKnight. Yes, Joe. Great, great kid. Not a not a violent person ever. And I, I totally agree with you on that one. I was in a road rage incident in New Orleans. Yeah, Joe was a good kid. I, I love them. I got I got chills just you talking about that uh that moment. I'm not a Jet fan, but I remember that game watching that and just everything around the 9-11, 10 year anniversary and yeah, I definitely got chills just hearing you talk about that again. It was that was a special moment, special game. Special, special, special night. Special yes. night for New York. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to be in New York, that's what it's all about. And uh, that's what I experienced a lot of when I was there. And uh, I, that will resonate me. As I've said many times, um, those times, that was the best time of my life. I, I will never, ever change that opinion. That's the best time of my life. As a Jets fan, that was that was the best time of my life, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's good. Oh, well, yeah. well, we could talk football all night with you. It's been great speaking, talking with you. Absolute uh, honor. You appreciate your time. Uh, so I guess, I guess that's it. But thank you again. I'll tell, I'll tell you what you could try. Um, you know, when you get into training camp and you get ready to go, uh, it'd be interesting. The book comes out July 12th. So, you know, a couple of weeks after that, you're starting training camp. My book's out. It might be fun to do this again. It would be good for me. It would be fun for me. And then I'd have a little, we could talk about what you're seeing and what you see with the Jets a little bit and some of the things that have gone on. And it might be a, another time to do it. And I, I'd be happy to do that. I oh, that'd be tremendous. Oh, we would really appreciate that. We'd love to talk more football. I'll be up there. I'm going to come up. I'm going to do some radio things with ESPN and 
SMY, and I'll be. I want to go to Jeff's training camp. It would be fun to maybe sometime right after that to do it all again and to talk about what's more current, and, uh, and it would be good for me. So I'd appreciate that. Absolutely, Absolutely. We were, we'll have read your book by then. Yeah, I hope. I hope so. Please. Well, once again, figure it out. You know, by Mike Westhoff, thirty-two uh, year journey while revolutionizing pro football special teams. So that'll be out everywhere. You said uh, July. July 12th, correct? July 12th. Okay. But it's out now with the publisher, right? What's the publisher's name again? Mascot Books. Mascot Books. Mascot Books. So check it out. We'll definitely be buying it. So thank you again, Coach. We really do appreciate it. Good. I hope you do. It'll be a lot of fun. Hey, you were great. You guys did a good job. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so Thank you so much. Praise from Caesar. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. <laughs> All right, and that was our interview with Mike Westhoff, presented by our sponsors. Um, Nick, you I love when he said he was gonna come back your face. You like lit up like a child on Christmas. Damn right, I did it. Fucking Mike Westhoff. Are you kidding me? Just now I I, I was uh hearing you know re-listening to our interview for the second time. I actually started to Google like YouTube some of the things he was talking about and you talked about the 9-11 game, and I, I was like, that was that, that was against the Cowboys. I remembered yeah. that. I believe it was Monday Night Football, wasn't it? It was either Sunday night or Monday night. night. Monday night. I, I think it might have been Monday or Sunday night. I remember that. We opened up the game, and I don't think they've beaten us since uh, that game. Um, it was a big comeback, too. The Jets were trailing. It, it was. I, I want to say they ran one back on us in that game. It might have. I feel – or we ran back one on them. Something yeah, like he, that. Well, he was saying the the block the block punt into a t- uh, yeah, and Revis Revis got that ball back because he got an interception on the next drive, yeah, on Tony Romo, um, and then of course Nick Folk with the Folk hero gets the game winning field goal. Um, yeah. Damn man, I can't. I we we just did an interview with Mike Westhoff. That's How awesome is that? And the fact that he wants to come and talk to us again. My own family yeah. doesn't want to talk to me anymore. That's a fact. <laughs> I like that he said he he enjoyed it. Like he even said, like he, he like TJ. He said TJ's questions are better than the New York media, which was awesome. <laughs> and which is true though, because like when like New York media where they lose a game, they're like, "Well, how did that game make you feel?" Like we're here to talk about feelings. Like, it makes Not you feel good. Like, yeah, I think you know what I think it's easier to be a fan of the team and have more emotion invested than ah, it's my job, so I got to come up with questions. Like when you're yeah. a fan. You want to know these things. The the little intricacies make a difference, and not just the typical, like you said, like, "Hey, you lost. What do you think you could have done different?" Uh, I don't know. Win. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's, I mean, well, that's evident. A lot of the media hates their like Rich Rich Simini hates the Jets. Like it's well, obvious uh, to every Jets fan that Rich Simini hates the Jets. And Manish Mehta, he hated the Jets too. Manish Mehta hates human beings in general because he's definitely not one of us. <laughs> Manish sports. Yeah. Um, but, uh, damn, yeah, Mike. Great great I can time. listen to him talk about sports. I can listen to talk, talk about. Uh, I really hope he does the Audible, man. I really do. Yeah, I hope it's, it's on Audible, and I hope he reads his own book. Because uh, hearing it with his own voice, I mean, having talked to him already, like I'm glad we talked to him just now because I can hear his when I, when I read this book, and I will 100% read this book. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm gonna hear his voice in my head reading the book to me. And damn, if it wasn't a pleasure listening to him, just hearing his thoughts on football, and he put Rook and I in a fucking play, man. <laughs> he did. Wait, well, he I was, was riding the pine. <laughs> He corrected me. He was like, "Last time you did this, don't do that again." At least you were involved. That's true. Well, he said he said the four of us could actually go run down in today's NFL and do a, a uh, and do a uh, a kickoff. You know, as long as it was a touchback. Yeah, he did. He did say yeah. <laughs> and in my immediately my immediate thought was like, "Why are we talking about it? Let's be about it. Let's go yeah, do exactly. that right now. Do the right four now. of us can go do that." The problem is, I would want to like, all right, I got to do something memorable. I'm still hitting some money. I pull you my touch back. You're gonna earn I'd run down. Yards. I'd run down that sideline, <laughs> bare ass. <laughs> Dude, I, I got. I got to try to get uh, it from the publisher because I, 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 me and my family are going on a uh, nice little cruise Fourth of July weekend. Uh, like into the next week, nine day cruise. So uh, invite. Let, dude, come on. Oh yeah, I got. It. I'll just go fuck myself. It's cool. Everybody's invited. But I, I, I dude, can, I, I can't think of anything better than sitting poolside you know on my way into the caribbean with a ice cold corona and and mike westoff's book just like just living out those those jets moments and and those moments in his career and just from his take from his side of it just that insight is tremendous dude so i, I gotta get on that i gotta see if they have like a couple you know like a one day or two day shipping to get that because, yeah, yeah so I, my wife's not gonna see me the entire babe i'm not done with the book yet well, you missed dinner. Yeah, whatever. There's more dinner. Dinner. Tonight. I can eat tomorrow. This book's here now. <laughs> yeah, you just eat late night buffet in the cruise, right? The Absolutely, dude. Long. I get room service. Yeah, you, Hon, you gotta turn the light off. Like, ah, uh, no, just, well, I'm invested. You know, I think the best thing about uh talking with Coach Westoff was uh actually getting to talk to Coach Westoff. Well, yes. yeah, of course, but, <laughs> but I think I think what I, I it's he's a fan of the game, man. It's not his job. Yeah. It's like he really loves the game, and I, you know, I think at this point in his career, he's been in a lot of locations. I think he's actually a fan of the Jets. His time here was so memorable for him. Yeah, that that he's a fan yeah, of the Jets. Yeah, he um, said it was his favorite time in his life. Yeah. So I mean, it, and it's incredible because you you know obviously we weren't alive then and uh when he started his career through you know special teams and it's funny because you could see how he's right that special teams is like a non-factor kind of you threw some guys out there guys that couldn't make offense or defense they they played it out you know better than being on the practice squad you know get get the ball back or you know try to block the punt but just go out there and kind of take up space and you Nobody know, had aspirations to be a good Absolutely, and then Mike Westhoff comes yeah. into the mix, and you got the ability to score points. You know what I mean? And at the end of that interview, he said, you know, with the Saints, it used to be 22 plays a game that he'd count as special teams making, you know, going out there and, and making some kind of play or maneuver or having a chance to make a play to 
he counted seven in one game because of, you know, the new touchback rules and how they kind of, I don't know, neutered the, the game in that yeah. way. And he, he even alluded to it to just almost on the guise of safety where, you know, some of it is safety related, but other things it was just unnecessary. And as a fan of football, you know, it kind of sucks. I understand. You don't want to see somebody get clobbered out there. A dude, you know, carrying 250 pounds of pure muscle running down the field at you full, full speed, full sprint and wiping, wiping you out on a kickoff. But at the same time, it's so boring to just watch touchback after touchback. It's yeah, it's yeah. making the kickoff unnecessary at this point. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's so funny. You know, you talk about back in the day, special teams really didn't matter. Uh, one of the longest tenured players on the Jets right now. Do you know who that is? No. Thomas Hennessy, the long snapper. Wow. wow. Was he got on the team since 2017? That's like the Giants. The Giants had uh, was the uh, I, forgot, I can't remember his name right now. It's escaping me, but he was in the team for like 15 years. He's a captain every year. And he was a long snapper. It's just that's it's it's important to the game. It is. It kind of sucks they got rid of it. Kind of with that he's saying the difference between twenty two to seven plays a game. They did neuter it. They they they're saying it's safety, but it was a big part of the game. And it was an exciting part of the game. You know, when there's a punt return or there's a kick return for a touchdown. I mean, it still happens every now and then in the NFL, but it doesn't happen as often as it used to. And that's right. And that and it's hard. I would assume it would be hard to be a special teams player knowing that. You know, you can put all the effort and enthusiasm in the world into it and give 110%, but when the game dictates that you still can't make a play, it kind of kills the momentum. It, it kills your, you know, drive out there to get out there and make a play, get me the ball type of deal. It, it's just – you're kind of just jogging down the field like, all right, take the knee. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. On to the wave, offense. Wave the well, hand. Yeah. yeah. It, you know <laughs> well, what I mean? Moving on. And, it was a, dude, but that, that special teams, especially with his tenure in the Jets, it, it was just explosive plays, and you saw it every week. And he said, he I said nine guys. Appreciate it. He said yeah. nine guys, and I. And he said Justin Miller. I was like Clemson, number twenty-two, cornerback, drafted first round. I remember, I remember this. You know, like yeah. he. Uh, it was like going back in a time machine to like a good time. You know, like. <laughs> I felt great and it hurt at the same time. We, I, I think I spent a little too much in Atlantic City because, again, another Atlantic City story. I was there in NAC in uh, Rira in uh, Tropicana, Irish pub that's no longer there in Tropicana, watching the Jets kick the shit out of New England and knock them out of the playoffs and the Jets move on. And I cannot tell you how awesome that was and how amazing it was to just watch the Pats fans walk out of the bar and I think it was just me and my buddy Vito at the time, the only Jeff fans in there, just like pointing at the door like, Vito, see you later. Take it easy. Have a good night. Bye-bye. All right, we know we could talk football all night, but I do want to move on because we do have a couple, two more things to do. Uh, we have the PGA Golf Fix we do quick, presented by Piper Golf, promo code SCORE10, 10% off your entire purchase. Um, TJ. By the way, you're, you guys are going to have to start doing LIV picks soon. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I have. Uh, I don't think any of the betting sites have picked up Live Golf, have they? They haven't. No, I haven't seen it. Is it Liv or is it Live? Live. Pronounced Live. Yeah. Like Tyler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like fifty-four. I thought it was like Roman numerals or something. No, no, no. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'll start with my pick. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna pick Patrick Cantley here, plus twelve hundred. I think he's finished in the top fifteen a few times, and he's had a couple of top. Top 15, 15 finishes uh, this year. Uh, maybe I think this might be the week that he breaks through. 
Other pick's going to be uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back with Tony Finau, plus thirty four hundred as a winner, and um, you know, give me give me Sam Burns plus seventeen hundred as well. Those are my winner picks. Those are the three, and we've been pretty good at winners. We're four or five our last five tournaments on the PGA, and then we we went three for three this year on the on the majors so far. The Open's coming up, yep. so we got uh, we're doing pretty well here. We're pretty hot. Absolutely. So again, this is the Travelers. Uh, Great tournament. Yeah. After watching the U.S. Open, I, I, it's hard to stay away from the two favorites. You know, Scheffler and McElroy, plus both of them plus uh, nine fifty. I'm putting money on both of those guys. They both played tremendous. They, you know, faulted down the stretch, but they were in the mix. High level of golf being played, especially on that course, especially the way the course is set up. I, I, got to put money on both of them. Somebody that I'm looking at for a little bit more value for your bet, a little bit of extra money, I would say I'd like to – and I'd love to see it because I think he's been playing a lot better this year and making a name for himself and been in the mix a lot more. Harold Varner, plus 5,500. I wouldn't say a long shot, but it, it's up there. But a, if you're betting with me, you got your two you know, guys up there, plus 950. Scheffler, McElroy, I think they'll both be in the mix. Uh, like I said, tremendous outings in the U.S. Open, but then Varner for the you know the money aspect of it. If we get lucky, that's a big hit right there. Oh yeah, uh, but I, I just can't see Rory or Scheffler not coming out and dominating. No, I yeah I agree with you. Uh, I mean, for them, if you want to do top ten on those two guys, they're uh, Scotty's plus one fifty and McElroy is plus one forty. If you like the top tens, I say before usually when we like our winners. If you don't want to put a bet on them to win it outright, and you still want to get some sort of, you know, uh, get in on on their on their on our picks here, you just go to the top ten. There's usually pretty pretty good odds in them. So for um, for Sam Burns plus plus one forty five uh, to be the top ten, Patrick Kentling's plus one twenty five, uh, Tony Finau's plus two thirty. So those are three guys that I have there. Um, I'm also so my, my actual. 10. Those I was going to say, that, yeah. So for my top, top ten, I'm, I'm going to put uh, Harold Varner in there for a top ten, yeah. just to keep plus four seventy, plus four seventy. I agree with those that, odds. Yeah. And I've hit on this guy before. He's kind of he's been in, in the PJ for a while now. But was he cute? Yep. What you said? Yeah. You hit on this guy before? <laughs> was he cute? Handsome as hell. Very fit. Very fit guy. Scott Tight Stallings like Tiger made me money so far this year, and he's like I said, he's been in the PJ a while. Kind of having a reemergent of a season. Just his game is dialed in, and he's been in the mix a lot. And he's been leader of a couple tournaments this year so far. Um, I, I guess to everybody's surprise, but I think his game is just just that good and all around made improvements to where he's just killing it right now. So Scott Stallings uh, going off. Give me one second at plus eleven hundred to be in the top ten. Mm, I, I mean, I'll take that. I will take that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, those, I just gave the top 10 bets if you want to, if you don't want to do my winners, you want to do top 10. Those are just the odds to them. But um, I'm going to go with uh, Joel Dam- uh, Damon. Yeah. He had a pretty good, he had a pretty good round this uh, US Open. He was a top 10. That's plus 500. And then my boy, Christian Bezendehut, <laughs> plus 550, top 10. So those are my picks. Uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works. Hopefully, hopefully stay hot, stay hot. Absolutely, I'm I'm trying to find right now. Uh, 
I can't find the on Fanduel the to miss a cut right now. Ah, uh, I don't know if I saw it. While we're talking about golf, quick shout out to Taylor Made. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Taylor Made and their customer service. TJ, if you would be so kind, it's your story. I'll let you tell it. Absolutely. So um, last week I'm at the driving range hitting my beautiful TaylorMade Sim driver, and I hit one off the face. It wasn't a great shot, but still caught it off the face, and I hear a nice little. Nice pop. And uh, the carbon fiber crown comes popping off. One solid piece just came unglued. And I reached out to Taylor Maine. I'm like, hey, listen, I got this driver uh, pretty much at a, go- a charity golf outing that we do at work, Department of Sanitation Humble Society. Got this driver. I don't have a receipt for it, obviously. Oh, uh, what can I do? The guy on the phone said, listen, either way, you don't have the receipt. Don't worry about it. Just I would still put it through our warranty department. Very simple, right through their um, website. Take a couple pictures the way they actually take pictures. Give all your information, send it in. And I think it was about, I don't know, 16 hours later, the very next day, they reached back out to me. Hey, we saw what's going on. Um, You're covered. We're going to send you a new driver. Thank you guys so much. That's so awesome. Blah, 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 blah. They reached back out. Yeah, no problem if you uh, have any questions or anything like that. But just to uh, let you know, you're getting a brand new Sim 2 driver. Um, you know, to your specs, uh, stiff flex uh, shaft. I was like, wait a second. I was like, well, I'm getting upgraded now too? I was like, no way. And that thing was here in four days. It, it's sitting right over there in my golf bag. And I, I'm i playing uh, Friday, so I cannot wait to test this bad boy out. That's awesome. guess, how do you be golf customer service Taylor. like that? Golf clap for TaylorMade. This is pure, absolute pure class. Um, it, dude, they, there's no customer service like that anymore. I, and I told Razor, them, I, I said, Razor I, I was, Computers also has amazing customer service. It, it, you cannot, it's just, it's gone by the wayside in, in kind of today's society. And you just can't, you know, I, I don't know, upsell tremendous customer service enough because it just, the, how simple it was how polite they were, how classy they were about it. You know, we're not talking about something that's 20, 30, 40 bucks. We're talking about them replacing my $500 driver with a $550 driver. The year later upgrade. And it's just, thank you very much. I'm sitting here like in my mind, when I'm sending that, you know, going through that process of just putting the warranty stuff through thinking, listen, if they throw me like $200 off, you know, a a tailor-made driver on their website, I'd be, happy as a pig and shit you know that if that's all they could do for me great awesome but I, i've been a tailor-made customer i've had the r7 irons r7 driver upgraded to the r11 driver when it came out i've had the speed blade irons i just upgraded to the tailor-made stealth irons which i absolutely love uh the other day we were playing par five and i am about 243 yards off um or I tight fairway hit my hybrid didn't didn't pull my driver was scared you know didn't know if I was gonna keep it in the fairway pulled hybrid put it down the left side have a look at the green 240 something yards away pull my five iron and I put it to the back of the green I, I was like Chris McCormick was, was with me shout out to Chris McCormick he's like dude that was 240 yards out plus he was how'd you put it on the green I was like I have no idea I was like that wasn't my swing that's all this iron right here I don't hit my four iron 240. Dude, I hit my, like I said, I hit my hybrid off the tee. I hit that like 230. 
Yeah. So just absolutely love tailor-made clubs. I, I love the R&D that goes into it. it they're, if you're a gamer like me, a weekend warrior that, you know, you can't really hit the blades and, and you want a game improvement iron that's going to get you out there and have fun and you're going to shoot lower scores. I love the stealth irons. And I just, like I said, cannot wait to get out there and hit that Sim 2 driver. Like I, I'm babying it. I'm, I, I take it out every day since I got it. And I look at it like, I can't believe I have this in my hands right now. They just I, sentence uh, me. I also recently got a Sim 2 driver for my birthday. And uh, I'm waiting for somebody to invite me to go golfing so I can break it out. But nobody loves me. So, dude, I'm nobody ever reaches out to me to go golfing. I just have to put a random foursome in and hope people come and play. I'm fairly confident I reached out to both of you about two days ago about going golfing. Yes, Monday. Yeah, I was in upstate. Uh, yeah, I, was, yeah, I, know, I was I was fucking myself. I got it. Um, but uh, I think based on your story, I'm, I, I've been needing a new hybrid. So I think I'm going to go get me a tailor-made hybrid. Uh, and that's the crazy part, dude. I, I I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the new equipment, but I tested out the uh, Stealth Hybrid this year just to see if it was time to upgrade my tailor-made burner, which is probably 10 years old at this point, 8 to 10 years old. And just the comparison, I'm like, this burner is still good, man. It still has plenty of pop, and I'm still rocking it. And I, I, well, I absolutely know, love quality, it. Though. It's just quality. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where, I mean, companies go out of their way now to just put statistics into kind of when they're hoping that their product fails. So you buy more through their company of, you know, a replacement for the product that gets you through a couple of years. And then it systematically just lets down. I mean, I think Apple had to admit uh, through a lawsuit that they purposely slow down their phone. So you buy a new generation of phone. Yeah, they did. And they purposely crap it out. So it, it just goes to show you that, like, when this company, you, you know, golf clubs aren't cheap. It's it's not cheap equipment, but you get the bang for your buck with TaylorMade, and I will be a lifelong customer. Shout out to them. Thank you very much. You've made me exceptionally happy, and now I'm going to go out and try to break 80. That would it. There you go. For the gusto. They, and they, they made me happy, too, because they made you happy, bro. Yeah, there you Thank go. You. And they got a free plug on the show, so that's good for them. But Piper <laughs> Golf, uh, go to their score 10. Tempers off. Those are all golf picks. That's TJ's uh, TJ's plug for TaylorMade. Real, real quick, about- I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, I, I apologize, but real quick, just because Piper is one of our sponsors, and I was hysterical laughing. My cousin hits one in Bally Owen up in Crystal Springs, New Jersey. Gorgeous course. Hits one into the rough. The rough is very thick and uh, filled with like a lot of fescue. Hits one in there. Goes over. He's like, "Yeah, I found my ball." Punches it out. Rolls up right to the front of the bunker. Leaves it short of the green. And he's going to chip on. He goes, wait a second, where's my ball? I'm like, dude, that's your ball. You hit it right there. He's like, that's my, my ball. I'm not playing a piper. I'm like, so you hit the wrong ball out of the rough. I said, but congratulations. You just got a brand new piper golf ball. I was like, put it up there, dude. I think he stuffed it within like three or four feet. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. you see? Yeah, yeah. Piper golf. Everyone loves it. Everyone's starting to start join the movement. But so we want to do something new here. I know we're running uh, you know, short on time. So we're going to try to do this quickly because there's some stories that I'm going to call this a quick rundown. I know we have seven minutes left before we do it. So maybe everyone just gives a quick comment about each of these things. Uh, Some of the funny things that have happened recently in sports. Uh, This happened last week. We weren't on, but I wanted to mention this again. Joe Madden gets a mohawk to fire up his players during a losing streak and then immediately gets fired before before showing them. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just... 
sucks for Joe. He, you know, seventy-year-old man with a mohawk. Dude, great coach. <laughs> I mean, one of those old-school guys. You know, he'd be the guy to light your foot on fire and give the old hot foot to get his team going. Yeah, he would. Chase's heading to a mohawk to get something going. It's just unfortunate. I mean, that team's have, having a bad run right now. I don't think it's all on Joe Madden. It's but definitely decided not. to go, no, go with change. I mean, he's gone already now, and the new coach is still losing. Yeah, he's been I, having I, a I, bad run for twenty years. Right. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's like a faux pas on Joe Madden. I think that's more just a accolade. I think that's just a testament to the type of coach he is and the type of manager and players manager yeah. he is. So good for Joe Madden. Good for his mohawk. I love. I, it. I just got to say, he should have went with the uh, with those glasses. He should have just went with the uh, the wild thing haircut. <laughs> yeah, he should have crossbones in the middle of his glasses. So Stanley Cup final, actually, the game just went final. Colorado won in overtime, but a comeback, three to two. Uh, I was going to ask you guys what you what your prediction would be for the series, but Colorado's up three one. I don't know. I'm not saying it's over, but no, it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's um, over. Little Caesar is now the official pizza of Pizza Hut. Nick, what do you think about Little this? Caesar's Wait, the official I'm, pizza? I'm sorry, of pizza that Hut? didn't make sense. I'm sorry of, of the NFL over Pizza Hut. <laughs> Little Caesars is trash. Like I know, I don't, I don't get it. Granted, they, they don't, they, they, they don't pick. That. Listen, real good pizza doesn't come from any chain at all. But the only two tolerable chains that exist are Papa John's and Domino's, and that's only because I know how bad it. Like the floor is, is their floor is here. Little Caesars floor is the floor. I, I can't Literally. get any lower. Like, <laughs> like if this is like the greatest pizza in the world. Papa John's and Domino's, they're over here somewhere. Like, as their ceiling and their floor is very low. Uh, but damn, Little Caesars is like the dirtiest freaking pizza in the history of mankind. And the NFL, like, they're now the official pizza of the NFL. Uh, God, I gotta say, NFL, love yourself more. Yeah, yeah I see. I, I'm more of a if I'm ordering from somewhere, especially outside of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, I, I'm going either Domino's or Pizza Hut. Um, I absolutely loathe Papa John's. I think it's disgusting. I, it's I like Papa John's better than Domino's. Than I think it's the same as Domino's. Nah, I, I'll take Domino's or pizza out over Papa John's any day of the week. Suck it, Peyton Manning. <laughs> the only thing that Papa John's did that was different than Domino's was they gave you garlic butter and a bell pepper inside the box. Like Other than that, it's pretty much the same shit. <laughs> That's true. Um, sauce Gardner. I've said that weird because I say sauce weird. Sauce. Sauce. Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner uh paid 50k for the number one. Would you would you take that deal if you were number one? He gave you 50k. No, not at all. If I was a veteran and a, and a rookie wanted number one, the answer is no, period. TJ. Flat out no. I would oh, never man. give a rookie number one. Personally, I don't think I don't like people that wear the number one. I really don't. Like I'm there rooting for sauce, don't get me wrong, but I feel like you have to be some sort of egotistical maniac. And either you're trying to tell the world that you think you're number one, which Okay, you do. I don't know if anybody else does, but you do. That's nice. Or or you're insecure and you want them to think you're number one, so you wear number one. But either way, like, number one to me is just a very, like, look at me. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that was the question. And I'm a firm believer is in $20 is $20. <laughs> so for 50 grand, there's not many things I wouldn't do. You know what I mean? If Sauce Gardner walked on the field and was like, dude, we're uh, having an, an Oreo race and you're the only one taking part in it. I'm like, all right, 50 grand. Give me that yeah, Oreo. To be yeah. fair, he bought that number from DJ Reed, who just made millions of dollars on his deal. 50 grand is a bad I night in Vegas for him. 
No, but uh, again, good they on him it. for saying like, oh, "You really need this that bad." Good, give me the fifty grand. I, I would have been like, "Sorry, Rook, go take a walk. You're not getting shit from me." I'll be honest with you. I probably wouldn't give my number up, even if it was for money. That's my number. There's a reason yeah, why I, I, I wouldn't give it up either. I wouldn't give it up. Um, lastly, uh, before we, because we're running out of time here, this is an old story, but Zach, Zach Collier, a 27 year old teacher, sang the national anthem. He was scheduled to sing national anthem for the college World Series, the men's World Series. He was he lost his job because after singing the national anthem at the college softball World Series, he did the horns down, and they said that it violated NCAA sportsmanship, and they fired him. And now he lost his job. He can't sing the national anthem at the men's college World Series. What do you guys think about it? That's awful. I mean, listen, I, I, do I agree with the rule? No, but the rules are the rules. Like they brief you what to do. I'll give you an example. I, 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 you know, through my through my job, I've been told like, hey, um, you can throw the first pitch out at a minor league ball game. Don't walk on the mound. That's what I got told. Okay, I am nobody special. All right, Zach Collier is nobody special. If I would have walked on the mound and they were like, "We told you not to walk on the mound. You're never going to do that ever again." What could I possibly say to them? Like other than, oh, I guess I'm never going to throw it out again. Like, is it a stupid rule? Absolutely. I have boots on. I'm not going to ruin the mound. I don't know if they you told know, them. I, them that, I, don't the I don't know if they, they told, told them like, you can't do this. They they told them. They probably told them like, don't do any symbols at all. Don't do peace yeah, signs. I don't know. Do Texas scores. They go like this. That's okay. But you can't go like this back. Whatever. As the guy who sings the as the guy that sings the national anthem, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. All right, let's do uh two last things though before we get Wait, hold on. Uh, TJ had something to say. No, here, I, I just think it, it's silly. I mean, exactly. if listen, if he was expressly told, like, dude, don't do anything silly like that, just don't make it about you, whatever. But being in the moment and, and going with it and throwing a little shade, I, I I'm okay with it to not be allowed to sing the national anthem anymore. It's it's kind of a little ridiculous. It's stupid. I, I agree with you, TJ. I'm with TJ on this one. Um, NBA Finals, TJ, what do you think about it? What is that? <laughs> it's unwatchable. That's what it was. Uh, Every game I did in double digits wasn't even competitive. It sucked. It, all of it was terrible. If you're an NBA fan, I don't know how you watched any of that finals. Um, I um I was unfortunately terrible. at Buffalo Wild Wings on Thursday for I think that was the final game. No, am I crazy? Yeah, the, yeah, it was Thursday, yeah. and it was about 45 seconds in, and it was not 12 to three or something like that. And a bunch horrible. of grown men screaming like like it was like the ninth inning of the World Series, 45 seconds into this game. I'm like, it's 12 to 3, guys. Both teams are probably going to score about 115 more points. Are you going to scream like this every time somebody gets a basket? Like, I don't understand how you get so excited 45 seconds into a basketball game. Like, they're going to score 115 times more. Like, there's going to be 115 more points, guaranteed. It's the NBA in 2022. They're going to score 130 points, guaranteed. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, if they scored 100, that was a lot. Yeah. And so, to me, that's still a lot. Scoring 100 points is ridiculous. Uh, but it just goes to show you, again, basketball is the easiest game that was ever invented. One man scored 100 points by himself. Uh, so, clearly, it must not be that challenging if you're tall. And 130 points. Like I'm like, I, I honestly just sat there like, seriously? You guys are screaming? It's, it's, it's unwatchable. unwatchable. It's 40. It's not like football or baseball or or hockey where one score literally could be the difference in the game you know like literally like a football game can end 7-0 7-3 it happens a hockey game ends 1-0 a lot a baseball game ends up 1-0 2-0 a lot you can win a game in the first inning no basketball game was ever won in the first quarter like no, I, definitely not no, I'm a basketball fan I next week we'll talk about 
I hate the the whole the last five minutes of a frigging game takes an hour and a half because of fouls and all the different bullshit. I, I'm just not into it at all. So I, I'll never be into it. I watch NCAA college basketball. At least some teams get fired up. You get some Cinderella stories, you know. But I mean, ugh, the NBA, no, no, thanks. See you later. Uh, next week we'll talk about live golf more, and then we'll talk about uh, the Sean Watson. I've been wanting to talk about that for a couple of weeks. Yep. But we don't have time today. So Nick, take us out. Yeah, last but uh, on our way out, buy uh, Coach Mike Westoff's book. Figure it out. It comes out everywhere July twelfth. Um, you can buy it right now on Mascot Books website, and the publisher will send it directly to your home. Figure it out by Coach Mike Westoff, covering his thirty-two years of football glory. Uh, from all of us here at the Scoreboard Addicts Podcast, thanks for spending this time with us. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you again next week. J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Stay rock. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.